0: Welcome to Perimenopology, where we explore and converse about what it means to transition out of the young, hot, fertile, and fuckable box that our society labels as most worthy when you are socialized as a woman. Around here, we are all about body literacy and talking about the topics that society tells us are unimportant or inappropriate. I'm Michelle Kapler, Reproductive Acupuncturist, Chinese Medicine Practitioner, and Master Feminist Confidence Coach, and you've got episode number two. Hello, hello, my friends. Thanks for coming back for episode two. Today, we're going to talk about body image and weight loss during the perimenopausal years. I've chosen to dive into this topic right away in this series because it is the most common issue that is brought up by my patients in the clinical setting and also by my coaching clients. This is a near universal concern for everybody in perimenopause. And of course, there are always exceptions because all bodies and all humans are different, but it is overwhelmingly The most frequent topic of conversation with my patients and clients. So, we're going to get into it today. First, I want to give a little content note that I will be talking about body size, body image, fat phobia, weight stigma, specific weights, and dieting for intentional weight loss. So, if those things are tough for you to hear about, be sure to take care. And of course, feel free to skip the episode altogether. So on today's agenda, the plan is to give you a bit of a 101 on what happens in perimenopausal bodies and how that can affect body size and body weight. I'm also going to talk about how society teaches us to think about body size and weight and how we might want to think about it differently. So to give you an idea of how this sounds in my clinical practice, the conversation often goes like this. Firstly, just to say, People rarely come to see me for acupuncture and Chinese medicine for weight loss alone. I don't advertise that I help people with that, so I don't get a lot of calls about it. People usually seek treatments for some other symptom that they're dealing with. In my clinic, the most common are hot flashes and insomnia in the perimenopausal population that I see. But the conversation almost always ends up heading in the direction of the patient bringing it up during the initial consultation, and it often sounds something like this quote unquote, I've gained weight in the last few years. I've put on this many pounds. It seems to be collecting on this part of my body. The things that I used to do to maintain my ideal body size and weight just don't work in the same way that they used to. I used to be able to go on a particular exercise program or eat a specific diet and the weight would just come off. And this is no longer the case. And I'm frustrated about it. So first, before I get into it, I want to acknowledge that some people have lived in a large body for their entire lives and have tried many methods to lose weight just to inevitably put on more weight as a result of chronic dieting and weight cycling and have faced a lifetime of stigma, unrealistic expectations, and subpar medical care because of their body size. So if this is you, I want to acknowledge that your relationship and orientation to your weight in your perimenopausal years might be different. That being said, I think there will still be some good stuff in this episode for you. What I want to say next is that it isn't a problem to have these thoughts and questions about our weight and our body size. Given the way that we're socialized and conditioned by society and culture, it totally makes sense that this would make us freak out a little bit. And we're going to get into the reasons why in just a little bit. But first, let's talk about what's going on physiologically. When it comes to the shift in weight distribution and volume in the perimenopausal years, there are many factors at play, but there are a few main players that contribute to this change, and those are aging and loss of muscle. I would be remiss if I didn't mention our good friend estrogen, which obviously plays into many of the changes that perimenopausal bodies experience. However, when it specifically comes to the correlation between estrogen levels and weight in the perimenopausal transition, the research still has yet to establish a direct causal relationship between estrogen and an increase in body fat or redistribution. Many of the studies I read in preparation for this episode highlighted that further research is needed to determine if there is a concrete connection between estrogen levels and weight gain in perimenopause, or if it's simply related to aging. So to elaborate on the two factors that I mentioned before, when it comes to muscle mass, this is one of the biggest contributors to the change in body size and body composition in perimenopause. As part of the natural process of aging, there is a loss of muscle mass. This is just the same for most bodies. Of course, there are many factors that will contribute to the rate at which we lose the muscle mass, such as genetics, level of physical activity, lifestyle choices, and I'm sure many things that science and medicine doesn't even have knowledge of or have language for yet. But on average, people in perimenopause can expect to lose a small percentage of muscle mass each year just by way of their being a certain age. What this means is that your body's caloric needs change. Muscles burn more calories than fat or other tissues, so it simply means that your body requires less energy from your food to perform its daily functions and processes. And this means that a surplus of energy will be stored as fat. The factors and contributors that I offered and described today are obviously not the complete list, but they have been established in the research as the main ones to be aware of. Other factors can include blood sugar and insulin resistance, genetics, environmental factors, and of course the social determinants of health, such as economic stability, level of education, access to healthcare, and physical and social environment. And I want to highlight that I'm sharing this for the purpose of understanding what's going on with your body, not for the purpose of giving you hacks or methods to lose weight. What I want to highlight here is that it is a normal part of the process of being in the perimenopausal transition these body changes occur for a reason. And although there are some increased risk factors for other chronic health conditions, such as heart disease or type two diabetes that are correlated with this transition and change in physiology, it is really interesting to observe that culturally and societally, we automatically jump to extreme pathologization of weight gain or weight redistribution. And I think it's important to question why that is. If we know from the research that what determines the size of somebody's body is actually a complex process that can't truly be reduced to you gain some weight, and it's the weight itself that makes you less healthy. Why is the conversation still so centered around intentional weight loss specifically? Why is it the actual weight... That we are so hyper-focused on when it comes to many changes that our bodies experience during this time in human life. And that's the part that I want to get into next. Why are we so freaked out about gaining weight during perimenopause? And of course, one's relationship to their body size and body composition is highly personal, and people are going to think and feel things about their bodies for all sorts of individual reasons. But I do want to take a look at a few ways that people who socialized as women are conditioned to see themselves and their bodies almost universally. The first one is that when you're socialized as woman, you're taught that you should take up as little space as possible, both literally and figuratively. We're taught from a very young age that in order to be worthy and good, we have to make ourselves smaller. We shouldn't gain too much weight, we shouldn't be too loud, we shouldn't be emotional, and we shouldn't be too inconvenient for others. And more specifically, when it comes to body size and body weight, we are conditioned to believe that if you gain weight, you are morally inferior, that you are less intelligent, that you have no discipline, then that you are shirking your societal responsibility to just cost the healthcare system less money. And it doesn't matter the reason why you're gaining weight. It doesn't matter that you're doing all the quote unquote right things and that your body just doesn't get smaller. If you can't accomplish this, you are less worthy than somebody who can, even if you have a legitimate medical reason, even if you've tried everything, even if you spent your entire life on a perpetual diet trying to be smaller. And while I'm on this rant, I haven't even mentioned questioning if being fat or gaining weight is even bad for you. When you look at the research and medical data, it isn't as simple as the bigger you are, the less healthy you are it is a much more complex relationship that actually isn't linear. The relationship between body size and poor health outcomes actually exists on more of a bell curve than a line. And if you look at all of the sources of all of the scariest statistics thrown around in mainstream media, such as the number that a lot of us hear that over 350,000 people will die each year because of obesity, or obesity is costing the healthcare system billions of dollars every year. If you look at where these numbers come from, they're simply an inaccurate interpretation of subpar research promoted by corporations and organizations that stand to make a lot of money from perpetuating this myth, such as pharmaceutical companies and the weight loss industry. If you want to learn more deeply about this research behind the statements that I'm making, I highly recommend listening to Aubrey Gordon and Michael Hobbs podcast called Maintenance Phase. They have an episode that's actually called Is Being Fat Bad for You? I'll post the link in the show notes so you can find it easily. So what I want to highlight here is that there's a lot of societal messaging that goes into our thoughts about our bodies and our body sizes. And a lot of the time, it might not be conscious. And what we want to ask ourselves is, Do we actually align with these values? Are these thoughts that we're having actually true? And are they reflected in reality? And just to say, even doing just a little bit of digging into the research can help you question the reality of the societally held beliefs that the bigger you are, the worse your health outcomes will be. And on an individual level, that may be true for some folks, but for most people, it's actually a lot more complicated than that. So with that being said, I want to bring it back to what's going on in your mind. When you think about your body size or distribution of fat on your body changing during perimenopause, what comes up in your mind? What are the thoughts that you have about this possibility or this process that you're maybe already having or experiencing? And you might know these thoughts right away. Or you might need to think about it consciously for a few minutes because sometimes we have these thoughts and we don't even know that they're there or we're not really paying attention because they're already just part of the background noise. If this is the case, I highly recommend doing what I call a thought download about this subject specifically. What you're going to do is you're going to grab a piece of paper and a pen and you're going to write at the top of the page, what do I think about my body size changing during perimenopause? And then you're going to set a timer for five to 10 minutes and just write. Empty everything out of your brain and see what comes up. No judgment or interpretation, no filter. Just write everything that comes to your mind. You might be completely unsurprised by what you write down, or you might discover something that's been on your mind that you were totally unaware of. From the list of thoughts that you have pulled out of your brain and written onto the paper, I recommend choosing one of those thoughts, one of those lines. Maybe it's the one that feels the most relevant to you. Maybe it's the first thing that came to your brain. Or maybe it's the one that brings up the strongest emotions for you. Or maybe just the one that you decide that you want to question. Then you're going to ask yourself a few things. The first one being, how do I feel when I think this thought? What emotions come up in my body when I'm thinking about this? Then you're going to ask, is it actually serving me to think this thought? And if not, what might I think instead that might be actually believable for me? When you are trying on new thoughts, I recommend starting with something neutral and maybe impersonal, something that feels true for you. Some of my favorite thoughts that I like to recommend that tend to work well for my clients are, my body is experiencing a normal change in physiology. I have a human body. Normal human bodies experience changes like this in perimenopause. Many people experience the same things in their bodies. And my favorite, body size is not related to my worth. And remember that changing the way we think about our bodies is a process and not a light switch that we can simply flick off. It takes time and practice. You're going to want to expect your brain to continue to offer you the same thoughts that your conditioning has taught you to think about your body for your entire life. And then when you notice yourself thinking these things that you've decided you actually don't agree with or aren't reflected in reality, then you can gently remind yourself of the new thought that you want to think. I have a human body. Many people experience the same thing in their bodies that I'm experiencing. Body size is not related to a person's worth. And over time, the new thought will become your default as you practice it. All right, my friend, that's what I have for you today. I'll be back next time with another episode. If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take this work to a deeper level, then let's work together. If you are a resident of Ontario, Canada, we can work together in a clinical setting, both virtually or in person. Or if you want help managing your mind around the perimenopausal transition and supercharging your confidence, then I can help you anywhere in the world. To learn more about your options for working with me, head to michellecafler.com and click on work with me on the overhead menu. I can't wait to talk with you. Music